0: everyone and welcome to episode 99 of the Retrospectors podcast, Metroid Prime. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined as always by my co-host James Sterling. James, were you surprised to hear that I wanted to do Metroid Prime, that I'm the one who picked this game? I know this is a game that you have some experience with, seeing as you owned a GameCube.
1: I didn't own a GameCube. What are you saying? Oh, you
0: owned a Wii, which could also play these games. I'm a bit fuzzy on that whole uh, line of consoles.
1: So, you know, I've actually tried to play Metroid Prime three times prior to this episode. Um, I own the trilogy uh, re-release on Wii U, actually. Um, And every single time I have dropped it about an hour in and gotten bored. So uh, it was pretty interesting actually seeing the rest of the game this fortnight i gotta say (laughs) yeah i mean
0: how do you feel about metroidvanias in general i know that despite my constant pestering i can't seem to get you to get very far with hollow knight from memory you really enjoyed castlevania but you were much lower when we covered um super metroid how are your feelings on the whole on the genre and is there a particular one that you've enjoyed above and beyond uh those two i think it has to do
1: with rewards and exploration i reckon the reason i liked castlevania symphony of the night and not those other games was because castlevania was filled to the brim with weird shit to find in every Mm. nook and cranny whereas super metroid it's like oh you found another missile pod this is the 30th one isn't that exciting Mm. (laughs) and hollow knight had you know it had stuff but the badges felt a bit limiting to me like it was like there was a very small subset of curated items and it was mostly you finding money and stuff and then buying the items at shops so
0: yeah Hollow Knight had a lot of unique rewards but it gives them to you slowly like that game is like a 30 to 40 hour game so it kind of spreads the experience over that 30 to 40 hours whereas your Super Metroids and your Castlevania is a much shorter game, so you kind of get stuff thrown at you at a far far faster pace but Hollow Knight eventually does have you know quite quite good customization but I can understand if you haven't played very far not not really seeing the full the full benefit of that
1: I do think I like the genre I just think I have very specific things that I want out of it but not all of them give me basically
0: (laughs) yeah and uh it'll be interesting to see if Metroid Prime fulfills that uh that category because uh, we're going to be talking about it. James and I have played it over the past fortnight, and that's what we do here on the Retrospectives podcast. We play these classic or niche underregarded or highly regarded titles of the past with the intent of discovering just how good these games are to play today. We're not interested in how good these games were at the time in which they were released. We just want to know, is it worth your time in amongst everything that gets released, movies, games, books, you name it, to play a game that's... 20 plus years old like Metroid Prime. And this one is one that's insanely high regarded. So it's gonna be very interesting this discussion. I'm looking forward to it. We should talk a little bit of what Metroid Prime is and how we played it because uh we Metroid Prime, for those who haven't heard of it, it's a first person action adventure and surprise surprise metroidvania it does belong to that broader metroidvania label
1: i resent calling metroid a metroidvania (laughs) i know (laughs) i just want that to be on the record it feels it sounds so wrong you, you can
0: resent it as much as you like that that's what the genre is called even if it could be could just be called a metroid or a metroid like a game in the metroid series (laughs) (laughs) i think the thing that is obviously special about metroid prime when you look at it in the broader series is it's the first one to be 3d it's the fifth game in the series but yeah it's the first in 3d and it joins a very uh eclectic group of 3d metroidvanias because it's kind of a rare genre and that's something i want to jump into in just a moment james In these games, you reprise the role of Samus. Uh, She's responding to a distress signal only to find a devastated pirate ship orbiting a Chozo homeworld. And pirate has a specific meaning in the uh, metroid universe P- the pirates are a faction they're not just generic unnamed pirates
1: uh i think it's unclear actually i think it's supposed to be vague whether they are a faction or a, like a race
0: oh okay sure the, to me it's they seem to be they seem very organized at least from the lore i was i was watching so i i at the very least they're very open to genetic engineering so They've probably broken the barriers on what what race is for them at the very least. They they seem to be very diverse in their... In yeah, their I think
1: that's the idea. There's lots of them that look completely different, but in their logs and stuff, they do mention that they will do anything to change their physiology for you know their species advancement or whatever. But
0: but they're referred to as pirates, but they're not like p- pirates of the Caribbean. This is this is an organised, uh, technological, sophisticated faction at the very least. Uh so you board this pirate ship where shit has gone down. You encounter an alien on it ended up blowing up the ship. It falls to the this planet, uh Talon 4, and you see the recently mechanized Ripley, who's one of the series. Ridley R- Ridley sorry, not Ripley. <laughs> Ridley fly to the surface and you follow him to the surface. While you're down there, you discover a shrine and the shrine talks of a poison at the heart of the planet are sealed with the only way to get there to collect these 12 artifacts. So over the course of the game, what you do is you platform your way through Talon 4, you gain new abilities, which gives you access to new areas. You kill a bunch of native wildlife, you obliterate pirates, and eventually you try to collect those 12 artifacts so that you can confront this poison at the heart of the planet. So that's the basic setup for Super Metroid and we will get into the story in just a second but before we do any of that it's time to talk about how we played this game because we took a pretty different approach didn't we James? We didn't just emulate the Gamecube or Wii version we did something slightly more advanced.
1: Yeah so at the beginning of the Fortnite now three weeks now four weeks uh, (laughs) I was going to play on my copy on the Wii U and then could not be bothered plugging it in (laughs) so Ended up emulating it using Prime Hack, which is a fork of dolphins specifically designed with Metroid Prime in mind. Um and like historically this game has ran pretty poorly on emulators. I know a long time ago I tried myself, um, and it ran terribly. The sound was cutting out constantly, it was jittery, it was very strange. Uh luckily for us, some very dedicated fellows have put together Ah, uh, this wonderful, you know, hack that lets you play the game almost flawlessly, um, in you know any resolution of your choosing with mouse and keyboard input, um, and that's how we did it for this, uh, you know, this cycle.
0: Yeah, and I want to thank uh, our Discord user Mayday Mima for um bringing this to my attention because I think it made the experience far more enjoyable for me. As is well-known, I like using mouse and keyboard for shooters and this one is no exception. Particularly since the original game has a kind of weird control scheme. It isn't your typical, uh, you know, one stick moves the camera, the other one moves your direction. It's like half tank controls. I don't know if you, you've played much with that kind of control scheme games, but it seemed really awkward when I first jumped in the game and tried it out.
1: I didn't actually give it a go. I probably should have. Yeah, it's it, it's <laughs> um, very
0: strange. And I think it, it's why the lock-on is such an important part of the, um, of the game, because without that lock-on, I don't think the game would really be playable with the original control scheme.
1: Yeah, probably not. Uh, you know, this did make the game a lot easier. Um, I have to say, with mouse and keyboard. But man, it felt really good to play because of it.
0: Made the game more enjoyable. So yeah, I fully yeah. endorse using Prime Hack. Uh, even stuff as simple as the widened field of view just do wonders. So if you're going to play this game today, I absolutely think that you should use this branch of Dolphin.
1: And I personally would argue that I don't think that this game is one that really benefits from being more difficult, I guess. Mm. Um. So I don't really think that it's too much of a downside to do it this way it just feels better and is more fun so you know that's why we're playing it to begin with
0: yeah the game this isn't a uh game where challenge is one of its core concepts so I, i i agree with that james final thing i wanted to get into just a just a big picture concept i think uh 3d metroidvanias this entire genre is shockingly rare Like, 2D Metroidvanias, particularly nowadays, ever since uh, indie gaming really took off, are a dime a dozen. There are so many of them. There are not an endless number of good ones, but there are crap loads of them. True 3D Metroidvanias are, are very infrequent. So, I wanted to just ask you, James, do you have any idea why this might be? Um... Why games like like Metroid Prime seem to be almost unique in their execution? Um, or do you think that the uniqueness of Metroid Prime is overstated, and that there are plenty of other games that dabble in this three D Metroidvania design than than I can think of?
1: I don't think that there's anything stopping them from existing really. Um both of us have played the game Superland which is a 3D metroidvania essentially um you know heavy puzzle game, emphasis. Yeah, heavy puzzle emphasis. Uh everything's gated on items and abilities. Um I think that stuff like the 3D Zelda games are like almost, you know, the same as this but I think they're a bit more linear you know, in their story progression, but they're essentially um, 3D games that are gated by item progression in many ways. I don't think like Breath of the Wild kind of counts because you don't really need items to progress because it's trying to go for a much more open, but definitely like the N64 Zelda games, um, specifically like mid-game in Ocarina of Time, where you can kind of do things in a different order, definitely feels like it's hitting the same notes. Um, I think It's a lot easier, and we're going to get onto this later, to keep the map in your head when it's in 2D and there isn't a third axis of movement. Mm -hmm. But I don't really see any real reason for them being as sparse as they are to be honest it's
0: kind of annoying because when i looked at games that when i when i typed in 3d metroidvanias into google it was like a greatest list hit of some of my favorite games like (laughs) Superland, i love to pieces that game is massively underrated one of the best puzzle games in recent years not in terms of the tightness of its design but in just in terms of how fun it is uh anti-chamber and outer wilds are also open world metroid ish Games where knowledge is a thing that's gating your progress of that game. It's an interesting spin. Of course, we can't go without mentioning uh, Resident Evil and Dark Souls, which, although they don't have movement abilities, still have uh, looping 3D level design where finding keys or levers lets you unlock things. And Prey is probably the best example of a game that I can think of being similar to uh super metro this genre
1: then... definition is getting bigger and bigger it, it is that. yeah it, it, <laughs> it's it's
0: tricky i i i guess uh when i think of these open world in in inverted commas because they're not they're not open world like assassin's creed is it's more like you get dropped into a location uh with lots of potential areas to to go and you get to open up those areas with movement abilities like metro prime is almost in terms of everything it does uh, it's kind of unique like I, I don't think there's any game that's really quite like this one and it's just interesting particularly when it's so highly regarded that we haven't seen more attempts to replicate what's what Metroid Prime is doing and just a question I guess to the broader audience as well why haven't we seen more games like Metroid Prime it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question when it was so successful James let's go to story So uh, I've briefly introduced the the baseline story of Metroid Prime, but I think it's worth talking about how the story is delivered to the player and how you kind of get bits and pieces of the story as you're playing through the game.
1: So do you want to talk about the story or the presentation of the story? I think those are very (laughs)
0: interlinked, I guess, in my mind.
1: well let's start with the presentation right because um i remember very distinctly uh when we did super metroid i thought that the direction of the storytelling that there was no you know voice or written dialogue whatsoever Mm. and it was entirely environmental and visual there was nothing else other than visual to tell you what was going on in the plot I thought that direction was great and I liked the idea. I thought that there wasn't enough of it and that because there wasn't enough of it, you know, what was there was great. Like the bit with the animals teaching you special moves, that was like 10 out of 10 best thing ever. Um, And, you know, some of the like little lore bits here and there were great. That just wasn't enough. Metroid Prime has actually gone in the opposite direction where now you have the ability to put on your scan visor and scan most objects in the environment and a text box will appear with like a bit of information or some lore or something like that you know there's there's logs from alien races that detail the history of the planet that kind of thing it's a much more uh direct and in your face
0: approach um, well I, I wouldn't say and in your face because uh, the scanning of things is optional this isn't like Uh, the game bombarding in fact it's still pretty subtle compared to how video games mostly do things nowadays yeah i agree on the
1: scale of like video games as a whole it's still subdued but compared to super metroid it's more yeah sure
0: but but i'd say that in most games but i I just want to emphasize this is a game without um dialogue like samus doesn't talk to anyone at any point throughout this entire game the entire yep. story is delivered to you through, as you said, scanning and reading, and it's not just it's not just logs that you're scanning and reading, you're scanning uh the native wildlife of the planet and the enemies and other bits and pieces it It kind of builds a complete picture by scanning literally everything, which is what I was doing because I enjoyed reading about the world
1: ah uh, that's interesting. I hate the scan actually really like oh so, that's so interesting yes. because
0: this like thing this topic when we covered super metroid and super metroid is going to be a returning point for us because these games are startlingly similar despite the change from 2D to 3D you definitely said something about man i wish this game had something like scanning so that i could get a bit more detail about the environment you, you tell 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 us why tell us why
1: i don't hate the idea as a concept and i actually do think that there are a number of scan points in the game that are great like specifically I think all of the history of the world um, regarding the Chozo and all of that is great. Um, Specifically, I think there are too many scan points that offer nothing of value, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically in the tutorial at the beginning of the game, because as I mentioned before, I've started this game uh, about three separate times before now and not gotten past the first hour And this time going through, I identified that the scan is the reason why, I think, because the tutorial level of this game is stuffed to the brim with scan points. And I, like, even now, even though I've gone through that tutorial like three times, I still felt the need to scan everything just in case I missed something important. Mm. And 99% of the stuff in the tutorial is useless. It's like, there's a crate and it says, like, this is crate one three five six (laughs) and there's like 10 of those crates and there's like hmm this goo looks suspicious like it's all very the text is very cardboardy and flat Mm. like there's no personality behind like 99 percent of the dialogue in this game other than the chozo lore bits and this one data log uh in one of the science facilities where the pirates are like man, we've managed to copy every single one of Samus's weapons except the morph ball, which has ended in disaster every single (laughs) time a pirate has tried to, like, you know, shrink themselves. That was, like, the one funny one in the whole game. Um, But the, the tutorial specifically has, like, it'll take you, like, three times longer to beat the tutorial if you scan everything, and that's what I did. And I don't think there was a single scan point in there that was worth... Like value at all.
0: Well, I mean, you you get... uh, Now, I'm not going to defend the tutorial scanning because I agree with you there's a lot of redundant information, but you get to that room where you can see that the pirates are doing genetic experiments on the native wildlife. And to me, that was interesting because it kind of gave me an idea to the nature of what the pirates were doing on the planet. While also, you know, introducing the concept of phase on as an energy source and so on yep. and so forth. So You can do I, that I, visually though, right? Uh you can do it visually, but I mean having a bit about, okay, here's the four stages of the experiments we're doing on these uh yeah. on these things is having brief text logs, I think is a fine way to do it. And my favorite areas in, in the entire game were the two pirate bases from a storytelling, particularly the research lab I thought was really good. Uh, you kind of got to see all the weird experiments that they were trying on both the native wildlife and pirates to kind of transform them and make them more powerful so uh, yeah i while i think that i agree that the tutorial has some redundant information i definitely disagree with you on a big picture perspective i really liked the scanning and i liked reading about all of these um, reading about all of these things both the more spiritual chozo and their prophecy and how they kind of withdrew as a species we were able to get a very clear contrast between the chozo as a race and these pirates as a race or faction because the chozo were more spiritual and you know they literally got rid of a lot of that technology to live a simpler life and then you have the pirates who are technologically advanced and they're um they're very organized they're seemingly competent And they want to exploit the poison, you know, the phazon for their own ends. They want to use it for energy. They want to develop bioweapons. They want to, you know, do mutations. They're performing organized experiments. They've got a clear hierarchy, like a military hierarchy where people are following orders and scouting the area and so on and so forth. And I really like this idea of having the Chozo and all their ruins and everything and then learning about the pirates kind of started abusing this planet for their own ends so yeah the pirates scan points were a lot more informative and drier but that's because they were conducting scientific experiments it should be a bit drier and with less personality right.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. I guess it's just a problem for me at the start cuz like later on like sure. the, the stuff with the soldiers is interesting, but at the very beginning of the game it's like these pirates are using this magical sci-fi substance to to become more powerful, Unobtainium, like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit, you know, it's very simple at the start. And you know lots of stories are like that and they get more interesting as they go. And I do agree it did. Um like the chozo are great. Like I like to me uh like metroid's atmosphere both in super metroid and this one it's kind of like like lonely desolation i guess is mm. how i'd describe it um and having this race you know this logs about this race that met they basically went extinct right because of this um this thing hit the planet and was destroying everything and they could have left the planet but they chose to stay to try and you know, do what they could to preserve the wildlife, because that's the big contrast between them and the pirates, right? The pirates are very self-motivated, very selfish kind of people, whereas the Chozo were more like, you know, they care about their planet and all the other things that, that live there, right? Um, So to me, it, it, it kind of endeared me to that race, because they're like, you know, they're going to go extinct if they don't leave, but they, you know, they're doing the right thing by you know the other species, I guess. You should um, so. you should
0: really play Outer Wilds, James, because this this whole concept it, it kind of reminds me a lot of that game because you have the yeah. super intelligent species. The difference with um the one in Outer Wilds is that the characters who are leaving the data logs have personalities and they're giant science nerds and they're telling science nerd jokes constantly and all of <laughs> that. All of the things that you scan, so. Yeah, I was definitely reminded of them. But it, it, yeah, I, I think that while this story is relatively simple, I think that the way it was able to get across the personalities of these two races and the way they were layered on top of one another, it kind of reminded me of the mission from Thief 2 at the lighthouse where you've got all of the mm. logs and stories about, um you know, the pirates are coming yeah. to the cove and then the mechanists have built this secret submarine base on top of it. That that's what this reminded me of. You've got this base, these ruins, Chozo ruins, and then the pirates have swooped in and they've built a bunch of technology and platforms and research stations in and around the ruins to the best of their ability. So, yeah, I um I really liked this story. Uh, I thought that the way it was delivered was great, and I enjoyed the scanning a lot. Um, I liked how minimalist it was.
1: I like what it's trying to convey. I like this idea of this tragic backstory of this planet and all of that. Mm. And then with Super Metroid, it's like, I don't care about what it's trying to tell me, but I like the way it's trying to tell me the stuff (laughs) I don't care about. You know what I mean? It's like, they're both like not giving me what I want entirely.
0: Yeah. And, and to be completely honest, the pirates could have a bit more nuance to them. You know, they're just, they're just evil guys. Like they're, I would have liked to uh here the good side of the pirates like being technologically advanced and wanting to use a resource for energy is not intrinsically evil (laughs) but the pirates are just seem intrinsically Intrinsically. evil with no redeeming qualities and i think that 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 leads to a less interesting story because of it compared to you know what the mechanists were doing in thief 2 for example
1: yeah, all ages Nintendo games kind of going to be like that, unfortunately. Yeah, and, but, but, but it's, worth,
0: it's worth noting. I But I, I liked the contrast between these two factions and how they were layered. So I, I like the story of this game. So I, I think good job.
1: The, um, the second part, actually, I have a little follow-up to the scanning thing that mm. I didn't like about it, um, was that something that's really enjoyable in games is that when you encounter a new enemy, you need to figure out the best way to tackle that enemy um, and you know you'll do a bit of trial and error trying a few different strategies until you settle on one that works in metroid prime you encounter new enemy you scan it and it tells you exactly how to beat it <laughs> yeah it was, also it was, the bosses
0: uh, it's actually embarrassing sometimes how it tells you exactly what exactly to do.
1: what to do yeah yeah and I don't necessarily think this is a flaw as as we said an all ages Nintendo game right um like you know this is for everyone right and that kind of helps but to me specifically I think that takes away from the game part of the game uh, like the gameplay part of the game like that trial and error process of figuring things out is part of what makes the game fun so for it to just give that to you it's way too I, obvious
0: i i think a big part yeah, of the problem think is that i the, just sorry go on
1: i think i would just recommend people like you can just not do that right like yep. if you listen to our episode and then you go and play metroid prime just if you care about that just don't scan the enemies just yep. scan everything else right
0: i i think the real problem here is that fighting enemies and combat in this game isn't intrinsically enjoyable like uh if you're playing halo one fighting the enemies and going for headshots and so on or and figuring out your movement and throwing grenades. It's fun intrinsically, like you enjoy doing it. So if the game told you, oh, to beat elites, you need to shoot your plasma pistol at full and then it drops their shield and you still headshot them. That doesn't ruin your enjoyment because it's so fun to actually play the Do video that, game. Right. In this game, the figuring out is the fun bit. So if scanning figures it out for you then you've kind of gotten rid of the most fun bit of the combat experience completely
1: yeah I agree with that
0: yeah so i I, I think that there was a way to do this where it was more subtle like uh, without it actually explicitly spelling out how to beat the enemy exactly
1: yeah, I don't know if there's enough like nuance to the combat, like even if they say something like you know this monster lives in an arid environment and is doesn't like the cold (laughs) you know like it's like can you can you be more subtle than that like at that point it's a bit difficult when it's so limited
0: well also most of the time it's just like this enemy is weak to attack x or this enemy has weak spot x so i agree that it it just doesn't really lend itself to deep and nuanced combat
1: yeah so well i want to talk a bit about the combat because i kind of agree with you that it's a low point of this game but let's um let's quickly talk a bit about the music and go for a quick music break 30 minutes in um so when we did super metroid i think one of our one of the things we said was that the music that was there was good there just wasn't enough of it and it didn't play very often
0: was that am i I, misremembering uh, basically i my feeling about super metroid music is that i would struggle to call it Bad because it's not bad. It's it does suit the atmosphere, but it's incredibly understated. And this is coming from ambient droning number one fan. I think that at times it just wasn't enough of it. Like it was just so slow and steady that you couldn't. It didn't immerse me as much. I I had a few favorite tracks. star is one of my favorite, but I think it was too little music. If if anything, I think uh, Metroid Prime is bloody nails it i i really love this soundtrack and i think that it does a lot to set the atmosphere each and every uh stage and area has unique music that suits the area perfectly from the volcanic cover caverns to the icy Fendara drifts it's it's really wonderful um introducing kind of like synthetic noises into this and kind of layering that over the more understated feeling of Metroid uh of Super Metroid was an inspired choice they just they just go hand in hand and I feel like it's it to me it sounds like an enhanced version of Super Metroid's soundtrack
1: yeah a lot of the tracks are you know the same track just remastered basically um and I think they did a good job with that I would say that the soundtrack ranges from fine to good to great like there there are no bad songs on the soundtrack um, there are some really fantastic ones like the one that replaces the Talon overworld theme when you get about halfway through the game that's like a 10 out of 10 track. The The music that starts playing when you get into the submerged wreckage mm-hmm. that is like a 10 out of 10 track and I really like the Fenendra Drift soundtrack as well. Um, I think that there's a lot of good music and then there's like one or two that are like they're okay.
0: I didn't like the combat music very much. I found that mainly because a part of that is towards the end of the game i was actively skipping combat i was just jumping through and it keeps dropping in over the good music you're like why can't this just be more peaceful
1: yeah it's like the best part of the game is the atmosphere and the immersion and like the slow exploration i i I strongly think that Every time there was combat, it made the game worse. When you're
0: in those, um, like the Chozo ruins uh, and there are no enemies, you really get to have that soundtrack sink in. It's the other reason why the Sunken Frigate is so good because the combat encounters, there's far fewer of them. But yeah, on the whole, like awesome soundtrack, loved it. And I think that in a lot of ways, this will be how you remembered Super Metroid soundtrack. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Well, we were talking about the songs to play and then I went back and I looked at the songs we picked from Super Metroid and was like, we're just going to pick basically the same (laughs) songs again. And that probably is true. Well, I'm going to pick the Talon Overworld Depths theme because it's by far, well, at least to me, by far the best track in the game Mm -hmm. um, and by far the most atmospheric. So uh, this is Talon Overworld Depths. right let's go to combat patrick i you know we've been alluding to it a bit um i think it sucks basically i think it's really bad uh i i skipped as much of it as i could basically
0: so i guess the first thing i want to distinguish is the um combat against the pirates versus the combat against the uh alien wildlife and yep. also the combat when it's part of the platforming which i think is distinct We. We're talking purely about combat, killing enemies for the sake of killing enemies here, right? Not shooting an enemy so we can clear a platform temporarily, right? Yes, basically. And the answer is yes, it's bad. I think we do need to acknowledge that we're playing with a control scheme. That makes it very easy. It makes it very easy. And my way to kind of balance this out was that I didn't use the lock-on function nearly as much. I tried to free aim things as much as possible. Were you doing that, or were you using the lock-on function a lot?
1: Um, I did it a tiny bit at the start, and then was like, I don't know. I still didn't find it very engaging, so I just did that to get it over with as fast as I could. Generally, um, and then, you know, a few hours in, I just started like ignoring the enemies because you get a million like, health. It's, it, you get so much health that like you can just stand there for like half an hour and not you know, take your hands off the keyboard and you won't
0: die. Yeah, so, so to nuts. give you a basic idea of the combat, you have a, um, a beam rifle. This gets supplemented with uh, other weapons, an ice beam, a wave beam, and a plasma beam or fire beam. Um, you can charge these weapons up for a more powerful attack. And you also have missiles. Eventually, you can also power up the other weapons, but it's not really... You're not going to be doing that for most of the video game. Most of the time, you have two to three different weapons that you can charge up and missiles. This isn't a cover-based shooter. Like, you can duck into cover a little bit, but it's closer to Halo in that regard, where it's better to make more decisive movements but the enemy ai is completely brain dead um and it will generally die in one or two charged hits so generally what you do is you charge up at kill one enemy then charge up and kill the next uh while trying to like double jump and move around to avoid enemy fire but it's nothing deliberate this isn't like doom where you have revenant rockets tracking you and you have to have precise movement to avoid taking damage or you die you just kind of jump around aimlessly while shooting guns at enemies you take some collateral damage because it's impossible to avoid completely everything dies and then you move on to the next enemy uh it's pretty brain dead uninspired stuff to be honest
1: yeah it's kind of weird like the at the very start of the game um it shows a bit of promise like there's a couple of enemies they introduce that require you to like kind of like circle strafe them and hit them in the back to kill them and at this point in the game you're like oh i guess they'll keep introducing new enemies with new like gimmicks Mm. that i need to deal with um and then there's a like a long stretch of the game where you know, you do just shoot at them and don't do anything special to kill enemies. And then you get the ice beam, at which point almost every enemy dies in ice shot missile. And then you get to the end of the game and they start introducing color coded Mm -hmm. enemies. So there's a red enemy that you can only deal damage with fire and you know there's a white enemy that you can only deal damage with ice and they have lots of health take a while to kill and at that point i just started running past them because i think a big part of the problem is that there is like no reason to kill them at all like they don't stop you from getting through the areas um and generally like killing them costs you more resources than you gain from them what they drop yeah they chip your
0: health like it, yeah. it's just annoying there's not really a way to get through these it, encounters without time consuming some
1: damage. Yeah. yeah it's like it's very tedious and time consuming they're not intrinsically fun to fight you know like doom like you mentioned has like a bunch of enemies and the different configurations interesting all of like basically every configuration of enemies in metroid prime is exactly the same
0: like you maybe it's like three at once. Like it, it, it's not like you're fighting off 15 enemies at once, like in Halo, the encounter places you're fighting them. It tends to be like short to rooms. medium range, small rooms. Yeah, yeah. So you're not even getting much variety in terms of combat geography. James, how did you feel um, the first time you properly encountered the pirates uh, when you go into the research station? Because when i first went in there i was like okay this is kind of interesting these enemies are very aggressive they're chasing me around in melee combat did you did you feel that that first encounter with those enemies was more interesting or were you just out of it from the start
1: yeah it was okay i guess like i just super missiled each of them and then like they died to one super missile i think um as does and then, do
0: most things in the game
1: yeah yes. yeah and then kept going um yeah i don't know i didn't really like those i thought the ghosts were like kind of enjoyable the very first time and then they were annoying um one of the things i mentioned all the way back in episode two of this show in banjo kazooie um was that i think that game is better because the enemies are trivially easy to kill like they die in literally one hit and they don't impede your progress too much the late game of metroid prime became a bit of a slog to me because the enemies became tankier and because the enemies like in the areas that you had already been to and cleared like at the very start of the game the enemies upgrade and now those areas that used to have easy enemies have these annoying tanky pirates that you know this isn't an rpg you're not getting experience for killing them you're getting like literally nothing not even fun (laughs) killing these things
0: and it's worth noting because we haven't before enemies respawn when you whenever you return to an area the enemies are back every single time there is a
1: delay like if you go back and forth through a door they don't respond yeah it's it's not quite that fast but it's pretty quickly yeah if you get a few rooms away and then come back they'll be there which
0: which is a a good standard well it's part of what i mean it happens in every metroidvania in existence the 2d ones and the 3d ones i mean hell it happens in dark souls of course uh but if the combat encounters, as you said, are not engaging, they're not rewarding, like you're not getting anything tangible out of them, and they're not necessary to progress, as you said, why would you do them? Like, just just skip through to get to where your goal is. In some ways, I, I wonder if this game, like, it's, it's impossible, right? You need to have the enemies there. I just wonder if there was a way to make, like, can you imagine this game with, like, Halo combat? Man, that game, it would take forever to get through. But <laughs> that's all I could think as I was playing this game. It's like Halo 1 did this close to medium range combat against alien enemies just a trillion times better. And It's because the
1: weapons have nuance. Like you can use the different weapons against every single enemy in Halo and it has some effect, right? Like you can use the thing to knock the shields off or you can use, like you can use any of the guns, um you know if you happen to have them and it'll have a different effect i feel like in this game half the time all the different guns do is damage like yep. sometimes the the ice gun freezes them sometimes the fire one sets them on fire, like, the wave half the time doesn't do anything to them. Maybe it stuns them, but it's like... It stuns
0: like, it stuns electrical enemies, so you yeah, use it it's against, like, like robots um, and turrets It's and like stuff. every
1: enemy will have exactly one weakness and the other weapons are, like, pointless against them, I guess.
0: Yeah, but I'm not sure I'd say take the combat out, because I, I don't think no, that would work I don't think that's I
1: don't think that's the solution. I think it needs to be better, but I do think that, like... You're better off skipping it in this game it's the, just so dull
0: the truth is castlevania symphony and i had shitty combat super metroid mostly had shitty combat although i thought it had pretty good boss fights hollow knight once again is the game that stands out as a metroidvania that has actively good combat and that's and the the way they did it was they made it tight and challenging you know like dark souls
1: I don't think Symphony of Knight's combat was super interesting, but I do think it felt better.
0: Yeah, there was a variety of weapons to use, and there seemed like there were different straight and magic, and street fighter combos, there were, there were different things you could do, right? Well, it was very responsive, like
1: it was even just fun to like jump at an enemy, slash them, and immediately pull back on the stick to like hit them from max range constantly, mm-hmm. and you can do that in Hollow Knight too. And there's like a joy to like getting better at that. I never really. I don't think there's headshot hitboxes in this game or anything no, like that. No, I don't that. think so. No, there's like nothing to like. You can't. It. It doesn't feel like you can get better at it. Basically, like I'm not even in something like Devil May Cry. It's more fun to like if there's literal punching bag enemies that don't even move or attack you. It's more fun to fight those because you know you're still getting better at the combos and shit like that.
0: Well, maybe we've struck on one of the reasons that 3D is are rare. It's hard to make the combat work in every way that it needs to in these games. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I don't have an easy solution here. I just know that it wasn't particularly good, but removing it, which is what I've suggested in many other elements with other games, doesn't actually solve the problem either. You need some kind of threat. So it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, Metroid Prime sucks at it.
1: Yeah, um, boss fights. I wanted to talk about quickly too. Yeah, of um, course. So I actually think that I would split the boss fights into two categories here: um, the boss fights at the start of the game and the boss fights in the second half of the game. Mm-hmm. So in the first half of the game, I think the boss fights are pretty like standard, like Nintendo bosses, where you know you do the thing three times, and then in the in the win, like after you do the thing, you can do some damage to it. And then the boss will die pretty quickly if you do the thing three Mm -hmm. times quick enough in the second half of the game, this, they kind of throw this out the window um, and it becomes a bit more like, you know, like a souls game where it's about pattern recognition and not getting hit for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't mind it so much in the first half of the game because the bosses, you could get through them kind of quickly. Most of them looked pretty cool Um, and they often you know basically every boss there was a reward waiting for you behind them Um, so that was okay the second half of the game i genuinely believe every boss in the second half of the game would be better if you tripled their damage And and halved their health yeah and halved their health yep completely agree all of them even though i could dodge every pattern very easily I couldn't kill them very quickly despite that so there was a boss late in the game i think it was like the omega pirate where i literally like paused the game to go get food (laughs) like it it just took so long and i got bored
0: that's the one where you have to shoot the four points off its four limbs right and then yeah becomes invisible yeah the the frustrating thing is that like these designs aren't necessarily intrinsically bad like the final boss fight in particular i really like how you have to use the different visors because it 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 becomes invisible to whatever visor you use last which is a really cool concept yeah but completely that agree. whole boss fight takes like 25 minutes i was yes. like how is this taking so yeah long? it's
1: like no matter how cool the gimmick is 20 minutes of the same thing over and over and over you're going to get bored and then you're going to dislike the boss even though Like the boss looks cool. And I think the last two bosses are really cool Mm. design wise. I think they just have too much health and you have too much health.
0: And and like one of the big things that makes the Souls style or Hollow Knight style boss fights engaging is that you have to identify windows where you can get damage in. But usually they're vulnerable to damage 100% of the time. It's just about figuring out when can I get a swing in without taking damage myself? And usually there are lots and lots of these windows and playing around and figuring out where those windows are and how risky you can get in the tightness of those windows is a big part of why those fights are enjoyable. Part of the problem with the design of Metroid Prime's boss fights is that the enemies are invulnerable for large portions of these fights. You can only do damage at specific windows. So you do a lot of board waiting and like james said these patterns are not difficult to dodge so you're basically passively waiting for when you finally get to engage in the boss fight
1: yeah and i think there's this issue compounds the weapon system in this game um so you have your normal shot your charge shot um, a missile and then there's this thing you can do where for each of the weapons if you charge up the weapon And then while you're holding the charge, press the missile button. You can do a special move if you've unlocked it. Um, And all of these are basically useless against the bosses, I found. Um, And to me, that's a huge problem because i wasn't going to use them against the enemies that i was skipping like i just think that and it, and all of these are like optional upgrades like you don't need to find them
0: to finish the game they're pretty end game as well like you're yeah not they're getting very these. late yeah, yeah you're not
1: getting these until like the last couple of hours basically why don't you just let me destroy the boss with this cool weapon if <laughs> exactly. i want to right like that yeah. would be way more fun I agree, um, and it yeah. doesn't even have to destroy them it just yeah yeah it's like i spend the whole game because these use your missiles as ammo like the flamethrower uses your missile count i spend the whole game collecting like 50 missile upgrades and this hard to find flamethrower upgrade and i literally can't use it against the boss that forces me to just use the normal charge shot against it Mm -hmm. wait 10 seconds you know it's so boring right like i don't just let me be overpowered and have fun
0: it's funny yeah. because these are—I I think the frustrating thing about these boss fights is that they're close. Like they—they're they're not actually that far off being enjoyable but from being
1: really fun. Yeah, yeah I agree. and it's—it's
0: it's not. You just have to do a numbers tweak. I love the idea of tripling their damage. I was just going to say halving their health, but I agree that if you—you you could massively increase their damage output, so you die in like three or four hits to them, and that would maybe make not for four a more... hits,
1: but like more. Well, it depends more, on more how many like energy like tanks you have, right? But yeah, yeah, let's yeah. say
0: you're not getting all the energy tanks suddenly getting those energy tanks is a lot more meaningful as well right because you can go from dying in four hits to five hits or four actually hits um
1: hits. i thought about this a lot today um and i was thinking rather than adjusting the boss's numbers what if you just replaced half the energy tanks with generic damage upgrades then you have less health and you do more damage so it's hmm. like the same thing yeah and actually also, that's a good point point. and it also like because one of my problems with the exploration, um, I, and I've, we, I've been negative a lot this episode, but I actually did enjoy it quite a lot, um, was that there's only basically three types of rewards. There's the really cool reward of getting the new traversal thing, which is always great. And then there's like getting missiles and energy tanks, which at the start of the game is awesome. And then as the game goes on, they become less and less exciting when you're just, like, drowning in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes a bit boring. It's like, oh, it's just another missile.
0: I like the idea of the damage upgrade. The other thing they could have done is have the artifacts give you some kind of passive upgrade and power. But yeah. I don't think they do anything. They do but, nothing. you know, when I was like, oh, I got the artifact of strength. Does this mean my damage is higher? <laughs> no. No, it doesn't mean you don't just hide. It doesn't do anything.
1: It thinks you're strong because you got it.
0: It It would be cool if if they did something. I mean, I know that would potentially wreak havoc with the balance, but it would mean that. Yeah. 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 I I think the damage upgrade would also mean that you can more easily flow through those areas. Are boring, yeah, because the yeah. spongy enemies, yeah. So, so, James, listen, you're right, we have been pretty negative going from gameplay to gameplay, but there, I think we it's I'd like to talk now about well, let's have a music break and then I want to talk about platforming. I just wanted to praise, oh, okay, the, sure.
1: the, the, the second last boss fight, um, just because it's got yes. like it's got Ripley Ridley. No, 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 the one there's like there's that and then there's the two of the same boss in a row at the very uh, end.
0: the spider version of the fight.
1: yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. I thought that was awesome because there's like eight phases like basically (laughs) and it changes every time I was like that's cool even though it has a lot of health and it could have less health I thought that that made it a lot more tolerable whereas Ridley easily my least favorite boss (laughs) fight in the game it was like (laughs) I did so long I did the first like 80% of his health quite quickly and then it's like the last like 20% was actually three more health bars. It's
0: like please <laughs> open your goddamn mouth so I can shoot you in the face and get this over with. But he's like no, nah, I'm not going to open my mouth for a while. I'm like cool, cool fight.
1: I got to admit, I near the very end I did figure out what I was doing wrong. It was like his charge attack, he actually opens his mouth every single time for like a split second. If yeah. you like yeah I, yeah, I was missing that. Once I figured that out, it was faster. So maybe yeah. that's on me. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: an idiot, James confirmed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, listen, I I really want to move into the good part of this game because I agree with you James, we have been negative. I don't I think we're maybe giving the wrong impression here because I definitely didn't hate Metro Prime. In fact, I quite liked it. But I think the key to understanding that is that this is not a first-person shooter. It's a first-person platformer. Yeah. But let's let's have a music break. Um the one I'm going to pick is actually the um th- this isn't my favorite track, but I think it makes a nice contrast from the one James picked, and that's the um that's the volcanic area. Uh what's it called again, James? Magmore Magmore caverns. caverns. Yeah, Magmore yeah. Caverns. And I think that this is a good distinction because it's a bit more bombastic than those other slow, more atmospheric tracks, but it still fits the atmosphere perfectly. Like yeah. this is a dangerous area. There's all this this heavier bass, um, some choirs, choir tones come in. It's it's really, really good for that area. And I think that that's something that Metro Prime does really well, having the soundtracks flow from area to area so you still feel immersed. So here is Magma Caverns.
1: that was Magmore Caverns and we can talk a bit about the level design and the platforming and the items because this is the good part of the game Mm. and you know quite a substantial part of the game
0: actually so uh where did you want to begin well I just want to talk a bit about a game feel I guess and part of this is mouse and keyboard but I just want to say straight out controlling Samus in this game and moving through this game feels great and every single movement upgrade you get Feels even better, and getting new movement upgrades and getting to use them is bloody fantastic. Whether it's the double jump, being able to move through water more effectively, uh, your morph ball, everything, literally every single movement upgrade you get. Whenever you get one, I was overjoyed because I had a new toy in my arsenal to play with. Uh, the process of moving through these levels and platforming in first person in this game is fucking excellent and should not be understated.
1: Yeah, I found it to be really enjoyable too. One of my big, like, pet peeves about Super Metroid is that I think the moment-to-moment feel of controlling the character is quite poor, actually. Hmm. And that I think when it's something that you're, you know, that is the entire experience of the game. It really soured it for me, even though I, you know, I agree that the design of that game is incredible. Just if it feels that poor the entire time, really hurts it for me with this i had the opposite experience right i think that super metroid is a better designed game than metroid prime in a lot of ways but this game feels better to control um you know and we're cheating a bit with mouse and keyboard but you know that was that's how i'd play it it today so yeah and that's how i'd recommend people play it today it feels really good and um, I think
0: that I want to just bring up my old bugbear. With these old 2D platformers, I had this same problem with Mega Man X. It's such a zoomed-in perspective. Like, you you can't... One of the reasons platforming in that game isn't fun is that you can't really see what's coming next. So the platforming challenges have to be very small in scale. In a 3D game, where you can turn around and look in any direction... You can have far more expansive and interesting spaces to platform in than is possible in Super Metroid. So uh, the platforming in this game is way... It even does cool things. Like when you go onto the morph ball, it has 2D sections for you to platform through. Like that's sweet. It just changes to 2D for a bit. And I wouldn't describe this platforming as uh, like challenging platforming. There's nothing here that's difficult from a platforming perspective it just feels fun to smoothly flow through these levels and every upgrade you get you're moving smoother and smoother through them and speeding through them faster and faster
1: yeah and every room is a bit different um i i particularly want to call out the spider ball as being like probably my favorite upgrade in one of these games ever i found every single section that used it to be really fun so for those who haven't played this one before the spider ball um despite his name it's actually makes your ball magnetic so when you turn into the ball there are these like metal panels over the wall generally like tracks, tracks. Yeah. yeah yeah and if you like hold the but- the right click or whatever you've got it bound to it'll stick and a lot of them are very vertical right like you'll be rolling sideways along a wall and you'll need to let go of the magnetism so you drop and then like as you pass past another bit of metal you need to re-engage it so you stick again and there's a bunch of stuff like that and i found it just it worked really well it felt good it was intuitive um, and there was this one section in particular—the one room,
0: right, where yeah. where it's like a big spider ball yes. platforming bit. Yeah, I don't, I can't remember was what's at the end of it, but that uh, the whole plasma sec- rifle. Yeah, that whole yeah. section, you know, and then it there starts being enemies that that are kind of like that was my in the favorite
1: way. room in the whole game.
0: Yeah, I that, that's fair, that's fair, because it's actually a long-term significant challenge and you can fall off.
1: <laughs> it's also, my favorite part about that room is that you encounter it very early into the game, um, but you only, when you come back to it at the very end of the game, you actually, it like transforms. It like, It's like the room changes completely because of one of your other couple of upgrades. And mm. then this giant, like metal maze appears everywhere all over the wall and it's like so unexpected because you've traveled through this room like 30 times Mm. and you didn't know any of this was here it's fucking awesome when that happens i loved that really fun
0: i think one of my favorite upgrades was getting the gravity suit because one of the cool things it does is when you when you first go underwater you're very sluggish and slow You jump kind of slow and can't jump very high. And I think most interestingly, your vision in the water is absolute shit. You can't see anything. You get the gravity suit and all of a sudden platforming underwater is exactly the same as platforming on land. And it feels fantastic. All these areas which were like cut off to you completely before, which were like, it's like, oh, fuck, another water section, suddenly become a lot of fun to get through. And it's almost hilarious how areas that were difficult for you to get through before are now just a complete breeze to, to slide through.
1: I feel like they should have called it the Scooper suit. Like it has no
0: impact out of the water. <laughs> I know, but I, I guess it's, uh, it's always called the gravity suit and they have to, they have to use all the same names. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the, the morph ball? Because I think that thing is like, I'm shocked at how good they got that to feel. Like, it's just right. Like, the gravity and the reactivity of that thing is just perfect. It's very speedy. I did struggle a bit with the boost going up half pipes, but after enough practice, I was able to do it. Yeah, I figured that you have to boost on the lower part of the ramp. Like, you you can't boost as you're going up. Yeah, Yeah. and you can't boost as you're balling down the ramp no it has to be at the low point, it has but, to
1: be at the lowest point of the ramp yeah, but you can boost any
0: time so you can just use it to just speed through a room which was quite funny I it's did that quite a few funny times. I did yeah. that a
1: lot as well yeah yeah what, one thing I actually think the game would be better for is that um, a lot of the doors are locked behind specific weapons so like some mm-hmm. doors will glow blue and you can shoot it with any weapon to open them some will glow red and you need the fire weapon to open the door. I reckon and then like the blue doors you can actually open with morph ball bombs I don't know if you noticed that I didn't know no but you can I reckon if the first time you open a door it turned into a blue door so you didn't need to get the other weapon out then you could just like stay in morph ball mode and bomb through every door and zoom through the levels really quick
0: yeah i feel like that that would have been fun that would unfortunately probably break the levels in half because the game needs loading screens right yeah (laughs) again time to unfortunately switch back to negativity mode i think that the level design on a micro level is actually really good in this game Um, part of what makes the movement through these levels fun is that the levels are designed well so using your movement abilities to get through them is a lot of fun
1: Patrick's negative take this is fun and I hate it that, no no no,
0: no. <laughs> as, as much as I agree with the concept that I hate fun we're, we're still we're still getting there the way that the macro level design of Metroid Prime works is completely arse and there's a couple of reasons for that
1: yeah it's interesting um we always praise looping level design and that kind of thing Um, and definitely out of all the games that I've played that do this kind of thing, I think this does it the least convincingly. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that the, the root of this issue is that when they were making Metroid Prime, they didn't seek to make a 3D Metroidvania in and of itself. They sought to turn Super Metroid, specifically Super Metroid, into a 3D game. Yeah, In some ways, that works brilliantly. For example... I mean, they succeeded. The, the, well, they did, yeah. The, the thing that really stands out is, I swear to God, the pacing that you receive power-ups is, like, identical to Super Metroid. And I love the pacing of the power-ups in Super Metroid. Like, it really does throw them at you at a regular interval, and it seems to do it just at the right time when you're growing bored. Where it doesn't work is in the transition of 2d level design which is on a you know a flat plane to 3d level design because 2d level design of super metroid is a lot of rooms and corridors and if you turn a 2d space of rooms and corridors into a 3d space it just becomes a bit shitty and unbelievable as a co- cohesive 3d space
1: it's very hard to keep the level structure in in your head, like my spatial awareness in this game, like I felt like I was going senile. Like it was so hard for me to remember where everything was in relation to everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the root of this problem is the corridors. Like something like Dark Souls is a continuous open world, and I can remember where everything is like perfectly. And maybe part of that is that I've played that game a lot, mm. but. In Super Metroid, because everything is very segmented by doors and magic teleporting elevators that don't, like, logically
0: flow together. I don't know oh. how this world fits together. for I, yeah, I have I, no we idea. Have, we have just played this game for 10, 15 hours, several long, t- and I could not tell you how this world fits yeah. together in any kind of logical structure. Me neither. It's, it, which is insane, right? Like... Let me put it this way to you, Jones. you are on record as hating System Shock One. Do you think yes. System Shock One's world and level design makes more sense, is like more reasonable to navigate than Metroid. Well it's 1?
1: just a it's just a skyscraper with an elevator floating yeah. in space. And right? the, th- like- the
0: thing that's crazy is that System Shock One, it's not like it has crazy unique areas in fact i remember you know the whole arboretum section and how there were the four arboretums like i remember that area being a little lost and confused but that area makes more sense to me than metroid prime's world which is just a bunch of nonsensical rooms and corridors stuck together
1: yeah i think the floors above that one were a bit hard for me in system shock um but like i agree with you basically it's like i don't have a clear understanding of a cohesive like unified world in this game basically because there are shortcuts between the areas right you find elevators Mm. that i describe them as dark souls 2 elevators right (laughs) like they just take you to somewhere and there's no right like it doesn't make any sense how it takes you to this place i don't think these areas geographically are actually located up and down of each other it would be interesting
0: to see someone build a map of it uh because maybe maybe it does it's just impossible to grasp while playing if you
1: open up the map you can zoom out to the macro map and the macro map it's not stacked on top of each other no and the the elevators don't link up to each other vertically it's like they're all horizontally next to each other and these up and down elevators move you horizontally it's very weird um, and even in stuff like the phase on mines later on, which is very vertical, man, I pulled out the map a lot in this game and was like, where the hell do I go? How do I get to this point? I can't remember, even though I've been through these corridors like a dozen times. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I think that, yeah, when you do this kind of 3D level design, uh, the other thing that this game lacks is quick travel teleportation of some kind uh, like elevators what well, oh. i sorry like uh sorry like fast travel between like uh save points for example castlevania symphony of the night lets you walk between save points hollow knight has its stag travel system where i uh, you can't go anywhere you want but the extremities of the map are all linked like there's 15 different points that you can i you don't can go think
1: to. that's any different to the elevators and well well,
0: the difference is the elevators take you between two locations whereas a teleport would let you go from one location to any other location
1: to be fair there are often a bunch of junctions where there's like two or three elevators in close proximity so it's like kind of i found in general as i was progressing and i naturally unlocked shortcuts the shortcuts you know were thoughtfully there so that i could save time Mm -hmm. i don't think it's perfect i think it could be done much better but i don't i wouldn't call it bad other than the very end of the game with the artifact hunt i wouldn't say the backtracking was super egregious until then let's talk a bit about that
0: actually well let's introduce this again okay sure sure at the beginning of the game i said that your goal is to find the 12 artifacts but Truth be told, for like the first three quarters of the game, that's not really true. You're not actively hunting the artifacts in that stage of the game. What you're doing is uh, going where your abilities allow you to go. And the game does push you um, every time. And it does it very quickly, actually. Let's talk about that, actually. The game will say... Oh, there were energy readings in this section. It's kind of telling you this is where you need to go next to get your next big proper upgrade to unlock it.
1: That's a feature added in the trilogy to make the game easier. Um, you can turn that off in the options. And I oh, really? It you yeah. turned it off. Okay.
0: Yeah. I uh, I didn't hate this. Like, I because it doesn't usually the area it's highlighting isn't isn't somewhere you can actually reach. So it's kind of just saying. This is like a hint. Yeah, if if you want to go to the critical path, you need to start looking for areas you can now access in this area. So, i actually, was a fan of this. I, I thought I thought it was a good way to push you in the right area without you, you know, going down the wrong path thirty times. So, I, I was a fan of this. You you didn't find it necessary though, because clearly you played without it.
1: Um, no, I didn't. I did have to look up like where one or two of the artifacts was at the end of the game. I just couldn't find them even with the hints. Um. But for me, a lot of the joy in these games is like keeping track of this mental list of places you need to come back to later. So mm. I felt that, you know, for me that kind of takes away from the funnest part of the game. So I just turned it off immediately. I only saw it once, so oh, yeah. from the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like it solved the
0: game for you, which no, you know. It, it just sometimes it's like oh, I have the ice beam, you know, there yeah. I remember seeing fifteen ice stores. I could just do them one at a time, but then it's like, oh, this is the, you know, there's a thing over here. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go to Magmore Caverns because I know that that's the next thing and look for eye stores in that area. And I think that that kind of push is actually, I'm I'm on board with that because it's not stopping me from going to the other areas. It's just saying this is where your next big upgrade is. Mm -hmm. Okay, so moving on to the artifact hunting itself. So at first, my initial instinct was, I'm not really a fan of this. And I used a walkthrough to find several of these because, you know, I've got a podcast to complete and stuff. And I was like, "I I can't just amble around in this world for hours and hours and hours. But then I thought, James, huh? this is actually quite a cool way to get you to revisit areas where there were upgrades that you previously couldn't access. Yeah. So instead of you just having to freeform explore to get your various power-ups, you know, the missile upgrades and the energy tanks, the, with the artifacts scattered to the winds, if you just naturally go after all the artifacts, you're going to claim and see, it's like, oh, here's an area where I can melt with my heat beam. Oh, there's yep. a grappling hook here. So I'm now, after thinking about it and thinking about how it works with that structure of collecting all the bits and pieces, it's actually pretty good. It's, it's a good way to power you up before you move into the final confrontation.
1: So I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this comes back to the problem of the macro level design, however. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that the good you know, macro level design does is that the like if you think about dark souls 1 and like firelink shrine and how every level kind of like wraps around firelink shrine and it's all kind of like compact like you can see tomb of giants from um like so many places in the map right mm-hmm. um i don't think metro prime is like that i think it's a lot more spread out and there are a lot of areas that have extremities that are really far away from everything else which a hurts the backtracking because like Megmore caverns for example i think it's a problem that the entire level is just one long thin line and several times you basically have to walk half the length of it to get anywhere Mm -hmm. um whereas if it was like circular more compact with little shortcuts you know you save a lot of time in traversing that makes the shortcuts to other areas easier to add um but with the artifacts specifically and i mean specifically with like fenandra drifts like there's an artifact like all the way you know in the middle of nowhere near nothing else and then there's this other artifact all the way on the other side of the map which is also near nothing else mm. this kind of backtracking is really annoying if those areas were curved inwards and could be accessed from the other parts of the map more easily um i would have found this process of going to find them all way less tedious it's the ones that were out in the middle of nowhere or like deep in the phase on mines stuff like that that are just a pain in the ass um and i think the whole game and this whole process is more fun if it's quicker to get places with shortcuts and you know more clever macro design um
0: I think that, yeah, Dark Souls, once again, when you know how the map of Dark Souls fits together, you can get from anywhere to anywhere in minutes. Like, it's 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 laughable how you can get from um, Firelink Shrine to the church if you go the back path through, you know, the tower where Havel is and then up Root Garden path and everything. Like, you can get to the Blacksmith in literally two minutes of sprinting from Firelink Shrine, maybe, maybe a bit longer than that, but it's... Is pretty damn quick uh this game uh oh man i don't know i i could never easily be like i'm here i want to get to here how the fuck do i do it i just couldn't figure it out it was like two minutes of staring at the map and then repeatedly <laughs> bringing up my map again and again and again uh i i couldn't just you know be like all right i'm going from here to here and then just flow through Even after I'd gone through these areas multiple times, because it just wasn't very memorable how it all fit together.
1: So I want to go back to the tutorial again, and I know I hammered on it a bit um, at the start for the, the scan points, but I do want to bring up the idea that in the tutorial, you actually have most of your abilities, including the grapple beam, which you don't get until like the last couple of hours again. Um, So you do the tutorial with all your abilities and then you lose your abilities and then you're on the world. So to me, the fun part of Metroid is A, exploration, like B, finding new abilities and C, the fact that the game doesn't hold your hand. Like it's up to you to find your way and it doesn't tell you where to go. Um, The tutorial in this game has none of those things it's a a hand corridor b you're not getting anything because you already have all your upgrades and c there's no explanation you know it's a corridor again um so i think that every single time i started and dropped this game was because the tutorial's like it is and it's i hate it basically mm-hmm. um after the tutorial once you lose all your abilities you you find abilities very quickly like there is a such a density of upgrades at the beginning just like it's, super metroid yeah. yeah it's awesome it's like every couple of rooms you get something new which opens up new possibilities there's doors everywhere you like your to-do list of places to go is like
0: spiraling
1: out of control you, you, right? you
0: have stuff happen like you get that spider ball boost upgrade and then you're like oh i remember all of those half pipes i saw it's like suddenly yeah. you're like i want to go back there and get the thing like you you actively do. yeah
1: and at this point in the game and this to me is the best part of the whole game is this bit in the middle it doesn't actually matter that the macro design sucks because there's like there's so many options for you to go that if you just pick a direction you'll find something new Mm -hmm. you don't actually need to look at the map it's near the end where there's like three doors that you haven't explored and you forget where those three doors are and you have to find those three specific doors where it becomes a problem but in the middle none of that actually matters because you just go in a direction you haven't gone before and there's heaps of stuff to find and explore it's awesome
0: and this is compounded by the fact in the end game that the rewards you're finding are less meaningful. Uh, yeah. So, yes, you do all this stuff and then you go from 180 missiles to 185 missiles. And you're like, yeah. well, was that really worth it? Did well, at that- the
1: start of the game, you have like
0: five or yeah.
1: ten missiles. So you go from 10 to find- 15.
0: Now we're talking. Like that's, There's that's
1: like a-, a 50% upgrade that's yeah. insane. It's nuts. And then your first energy pack is... Doubling. you've doubled your health it's like holy shit and then at the end of the game you've got eight health bars and you find the ninth one and it's like oh whatever and while it's right?
0: fine to move <laughs> and while it's enjoyable to move around these levels it's still not enjoyable to fight the enemies or you know yeah do,
1: do... and at this point you've gone through every area like 20 times right <laughs> so yeah so so it's starting to wear off
0: yeah i i think i think the macro a lot of the macro design here is but more of a, a problem
1: near the end of the game
0: but I it's think. a first person platformer, this game is very fun fun and and that's yeah. the that's the difficult part i i kind of feel a bit bad james because I no no, no i had
1: this problem while yeah, i was cause... writing my notes where i was like i really like this game but literally like i have six pages of negativity and i don't know how i can reconcile how much i like this game with Like, when I analyze it, I'm like, man, this is all terrible, but it's really fun. And the answer is, (laughs) you know, game
0: feel, which kind of feels like a cop-out excuse. But but the thing is, controlling Samus and moving through the world, the moment-to-moment gameplay of platforming through the world and the excitement and enjoyment you get with these new upgrades and the diversity in platforming and how... And the
1: atmosphere. And the atmosphere, and, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, it's One thing we haven't really talked much about is the puzzles, in inverted commas. The way I view these puzzles is that they're not puzzles and you don't get enjoyment out of them because you are giving your brain a work over. You enjoy them because they add a little bit of a tweak to the nature of the platforming. It's like oh here's a bit where i have to blow up a bomb and then i have i'm on a timer to reach this other bit Oh, yeah. I need to move this spider track by rotating this big column. And depending on what angle it's at, I can access different. I was areas.
1: reading through, like, people's, like, online, their opinion on Metroid. I kept seeing only negativity about this column with the colored tracks that you had to rotate. And I was like, people are idiots, James. Yeah, My I was God. like, that was so fun. That was, yeah. like, one of the best bits. So it's also <laughs> worth
0: noting, and we haven't really said this the platforming, it constantly changes it up just a little bit to to give you new kind of like tweaks on how you're using those abilities for example with the grapple beam eventually there's a um a creature that you can grapple beam off so it's not just static grapple beam points you just throw in a few of those, and suddenly the experience of moving through the world becomes a bit more varied and interesting as you're as you're moving through. And you've got to give a lot of respect to the game for not having it just be a hundred percent static grapp- grapple points, or a hundred percent you're using this you know the speed ball only on half pipes and that's it. No, you can also jump in a machine to. Uh, rapidly spin something to lower a lever. These are all yep. little things, but it all just adds a li- it just adds enough to keep this platforming engaging and varied and interesting.
1: One of my favorite bits was getting the X-ray visor and then mm. um noticing that there were actually invisible platforms hidden in the environment that I could have been jumping on this whole time and then noticing that like, oh yeah, I guess if I shoot in that spot, it does hit it and dis- the bullet disappears. Mm. <laughs> It's like, I wonder if I could have actually figured that out myself. Maybe if it was like raining or something. Um, But yeah, uh, it is all moment to moment feel and atmosphere, right? Which is fine.
0: Like you can't, and honestly, this shit's really important to me. I'm always banging on about moment to moment gameplay. But I guess you just have to take our broader criticisms of the structure hand in hand with the fact that the game is fun to play. Do, Do you have any more notes, James? It feels like we're kind of moving on to final impressions.
1: So I did actually want to bring Highlight to the Sunken Wreckage as being very close to my favorite part of the game, not, you know, just for atmosphere, but that moment in that big open room where you drop down and the music starts playing and you're like slowly floating through the wreckage. That was like, that was like 10 out of 10 atmosphere. I fucking loved that area. And then you like, you bring up your, um, like, Your infrared goggles, and like you have to light up all these bits, and suddenly you know the room is filled with all this color and these like you know digital lines going everywhere. That section like looked fantastic and sounded fantastic, and I was like, you know, in that part of the game, I was like, man, I fucking love this game. Like even with all of the other issues I have with the combat and whatever, there is some. There's some real soul
0: here, you know. <laughs> yeah, I um, I also really liked that section at first, but it at really... <laughs> yeah, it's out on me, James, and I think you know no. why. Because the problem with this section is there's this puzzle it does where you get to the door, the door has no power, and you have to find some power conduits with your x-ray vision to turn the power on to open the door. It's like, okay, I'll do this. And then I did it in the next room, and then I did in the next room, and I did this same puzzle (laughs) literally, I'm not even exaggerating, eight times in a row it does this. And usually what happens is you platform to the top of the room, it tells you that the door has no power, and the power conduits are at the bottom of the room. So after platforming to the top, you have to go to the bottom and then platform to the top again. And I was like, really, you just did this same thing eight times in a row. This is not fun. You're killing the atmosphere, man.
1: I have a question. Did you get to that section first after you got the gravity suit or before?
0: I had the gravity suit first. So it was quite yeah. funny because I the bit because you end up on this bit overlooking the frigate and yeah. I was like, "Oh, I can I can jump down, but I fell off and I fell into the main river and I couldn't figure out how to get back and I oh, didn't okay. want to backtrack all the way." So I then found the gravity suit and then came back later.
1: Huh, okay, because what I can you, did was—can you do
0: it with without the gravity suit? That that seems impossible.
1: Okay, so if you go to where your ship is, you can find the little like there's like the little hole. Like if you look at your map, you're like, oh, there's a path there, and you're like, oh, it's behind this like wall, and then you go down there. And yep. then you find the water. Yep. And then you have to do some janky platforming to get up there. And I was like, oh, you need the ice beam. And then I came back later when I had the ice beam, but it was before the gravity suit. Right. And you can get... So there's that first big room. You can get through that door and through the next room. And then there's a bit where there is a jump that's like impossible to get up. So right. I had to backtrack out like four rooms and then come back later and do that section again. So... <laughs> so yeah i I, mm, I i really wish i had waited yeah no it <laughs> just, was let say that it was
0: much better with the gravity suit but yeah i um i've i could have gone in there but i fell off so final impressions james
1: yeah sure um have a lot of negative things to say about metroid prime i think that the macro level design is some of the worst i've seen in this kind of game i think that the enemies are some of the most unengaging dull fights in any of these games that i've ever played i think that the bosses have way too much hp and do too little damage to the player and uh, despite all of that i actually found myself constantly you know what i normally do is that i schedule like an hour and a half after work every day to play these games you know whether or not i enjoy them and oftentimes you know during the last couple of weeks i would finish my you know 90 minute session and then just keep playing more because i was having fun and that's always to me the mark of a game i'm enjoying now that kind of ended once i got to the phase on mines and the enemies became super tanky and the traversal started becoming a bit tedious But that middle section of metroid prime where there is such a density of upgrades and cool stuff to find and branching paths you can just you know go one way for quite a long time and then you know explore in a different direction that was pure bliss right like it feels really nice to control the music's incredible uh the atmosphere is just fantastic i see people online mentioning this you know feeling of isolation and loneliness metroid prime definitely captures that just like Super did um and you know during that middle you know that early mid to mid late game period of the game i was having such a good time at the end of the game not so much um i think it becomes a bit tedious um there is a gauntlet of bosses at the end and with how i feel about the bosses it kind of like you know puts a bit of a dampener on the end of the game but on the whole i really enjoyed it um it's just it's not without its flaws. It has a lot of them, but I think that for the most part it doesn't actually matter too much um until you get to the end of the game where all of those flaws get magnified tenfold. So would I recommend Metroid Prime? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would recommend this one. I would tell people if it doesn't click with you for the first hour, push yourself to keep going because it does get much better. Um, as I, who quit three times previously found out, um and I would say once you get the plasma beam, um if you are not having fun any time after that, just feel free to stop because it doesn't get better. It is that early mid to mid late game that is like really, really good, um, and then the bits before and after, not so much.
0: um, I recommend Metroid Prime, and that may seem surprising after we've spent so much time ragging it, but The core part of this being an exploratory platformer is that it's a lot of fun. It is fun to play this game. It's fun to get movement upgrades. It's fun to use those movement upgrades. The way the puzzles sync with these movement upgrades is fantastic to give it a lot of variety. A lot of the problems with Metroid Prime are structural. They made a 3D Metroid game without fully contemplating what the ramifications of a 3D design space would be. And because of that, a lot of the problems it has suffers from it being a rooms and corridors game. I think that the um, like James, I think the combat in this game is garbage. I think that the bosses, uh, James's suggestion to uh, decrease health and increase damage would have done a lot to fix it, just a simple numbers change. But when I think back of Metroid Prime, I don't think about the forgettable combat or you know moving through empty corridors i think of going through that chozo temple um and reading the lore on the uh on the on the various screens i think of going through that research station and learning about all the what the pirates are up to i think of you know speed morph balling my way through areas this is a fun game. Like there's no there's no other way to say it. It's fun to play in the moment to moment even if it's filled with a lot of frustration with how you have to fight things, how you have to wait in corridors, and how close to impossible it is to navigate this overworld. And those two things are of fairly equal level even if we did spend more time tonight speaking about those bigger structural issues just because it's easier to and more interesting to talk about them than saying, "Man, this game feels fun to play." So, Play Metroid Prime, enjoy it. I think that it's worth pushing through its um its bigger problems for the joy of the moment to moment.
1: Yeah. And very interesting to talk about, at the very least.
0: <laughs> yeah, interesting game. I'd also throw out a recommendation once again for Superland. If you enjoyed Metroid Prime, more than anything, playing through this game reminded me of Superland and how you gain various movement upgrades. The main difference is Superland has is far more heavy puzzle focus, but those puzzles aren't crazy hard. It's more about using your cool movement abilities in combination with one another in cool aid in, in really sweet ways. So that's a game, if you've enjoyed Metroid Prime and played it before, that you should definitely check out, because you'll probably get a lot of enjoyment out of it.
1: Mm, absolutely.
0: Okay, so I think that just about wraps up. Thank you so much for being with us here today and listening to us talking all about Metroid Prime. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I was joined by James Turlings. We're the Retrospectors Podcast. You can find all of our content on our website, which is rspodcast.net. Has links to all of our episodes, in addition, a bunch of articles that we've written. Most importantly, it has our Discord server. Um, our Discord server is where we do all of our interaction with our community, where we take game recommendations, where we shoot the shit about video games, and where we agree to never do a JRPG ever again, right, James? <laughs>
1: oh there's got to be one on the cards next year
0: (laughs) please if we can avoid if if we do a JRPG, james i have we're doing another boomer shooter or system shock 2 and i think we can do that as a fair and equitable trade of games that the other will hate supposed to do that this year (laughs) we were yeah but you know this next year is going to be all the better for us so next episode. So we have, this was episode 99. So obviously we have episode 100 coming up next, right, James? Well,
1: I see, it we were always talking about doing Pathologic 2 for episode 100, but I'm thinking if we don't do the mailbag and, you know, various topics next one, then we're going to be pushing like February before we get to that one. So we're going to be a bit cheaty and probably do like an episode 99.5 or something sounds good to me let's cheat let's (laughs) cheat
0: because honest to god the mailbag episodes we do where we take uh questions from our discord listeners some of my favorite episodes every single year because we get to talk so much about modern games yeah yeah. random topics yeah that, that i feel are still relevant to the way that we talk about video games but we get to kind of go outside of our wheelhouse a little bit. And I I think the questions we get every year are fucking fantastic. Like they're, they're not just like random shitty questions. They're, they're questions that people have put a lot of thought into. So I'm very excited.
1: Yeah. And I've had a look at the ones because we've got a few piling up now in the mailback channel on Discord. Um... And basically all great questions already. We're going to be asking every single one of those. So if anyone has any more, feel free to drop by on Discord or, or just send or Twitter. Us a tweet. Twitter yeah, is
0: yeah. fine as well. We, we'll take them from there. But Discord is definitely the best place to uh, to do it. So if, you, if you're if you enjoying the show, we would really love if you would drop by a Discord. Um, it's just It's just the best place to be to engage with us as podcast creators uh so please drop by ask a question we'd love to answer any
1: yeah i'll tell tell patrick or myself we
0: have shit taste (laughs) (laughs) that that is that is also part of the discussion but uh but you know you'll you'll have to defend your taste as well so we'll see about that (laughs) all righty so that wraps up episode 99 of metro prime thank you so much everyone and we'll see you next uh next episode for the Bag number four see you then guys